Welcome. We're glad you're joining us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Today we've got Pastor Matt with us to talk and answer questions about the last sermon in the Glorious Design series. Um, this was a really, really intense, kind of felt like sandpaper to my emotions series, but I really enjoyed it. So how are you feeling as we end the series? Oh, I feel good. I feel a little tired, <laughs> if I'm honest. It's been a uh, it's been a good five week run, but it it was in many ways a heavy series. Yes. Um, it's a significant topic, and it's one um, that needed a lot of attention. So required, yeah. uh, I think, an immense amount of reading and watching and listening on my part uh, in the weeks and months prior to. So I feel a little tired, but yeah, um, glad that we did it. I'm too. Can you repeat to me what you said yesterday about you and I were talking about it, how you approached this series and why you did or didn't approach it certain ways? Sure. So if I remember right, we were talking about um, me wishing I had been able to or maybe had had more time to talk about how we handle um, individuals, um, from the heart perspective in our lives that, that mm-hmm. deal with this and how we do as a church. Um, but I think, first of all, we needed clarity around these issues. There's a lot of lack of clarity. Obviously, the culture is wildly confused on this um, to the detriment of our society and to the great detriment of those who are buying into the ideology themselves. But this is seeping into the church as well. Um, obviously, among younger generations, but not just among younger generations. And people are confused about what both what the Bible teaches, why God teaches us what he does, Mm -hmm. and perhaps maybe even confused around the need simply to trust God as a good and gracious creator. And so uh, it's often I I think about it, and I think this is what we were talking about, like uh, churches sometimes putting more emphasis on outreach than they need to at a given season because they need to get their house in order. Yes. Um, it doesn't do any good to uh, regularly, consistently uh, be inviting people into a church that uh, is messed up inside. Yeah. Because even if by God's, by God's grace they come and they um, come to faith there, they're coming to faith in a church right. that uh, has a lot of damage uh, going on and likely will damage them. So there are just times where you need to focus on um, clarifying what's happening inside the church. Yeah. Getting clear thinking, uh, getting our hearts in the right place so yeah. that moving forward, we can move forward with both soft hearts and clear minds Yeah. around certain issues. No, I, I really appreciate the integrity of that too, because sometimes I think we bring people into the church. Like if I just invite somebody and then they ask me some of these questions, I like feeling prepared and I like feeling like I know that I am representing Christ well and that I'm representing our church well. So I I really appreciate that. That, Can I say one more thing just along those lines that I think um, you clarified quickly was, was my heart and thinking behind um, the the approach that we took at this series was it's primarily directed at our people, right? hopefully helping them feel more equipped and, and be more equipped yeah. To think about this, to discuss these various topics that are so hot right. and so central in our culture right now, um, and to provide them resources, both online and available uh, in our bookstore, that they can pick up and can help them. And yeah. and we'll see. Uh, they will be the ones that determine in time whether or not um, that happened, but hopefully it did. 
Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to get specific about um, just a couple of sermon questions. Uh, you mentioned, uh, we talked about Genesis 1.28, um, our commission is to be fruitful and increase in number as male and female who are married. Um, the quotes from Rachel Gilson and J.I. Packer point to people separating the procreation element with like the pleasure element. Yes. Um, and so there's there could be some implication there. So I would like for you to tell us, do you think that as Christians, there's like an issue with contraception in general, or do you think just our mindset regarding sex needs to change or a little both or what's, what's your opinion or, you know, on that? Yeah, I think those two things are inseparably linked. If my, if our ideology, our understanding, our theology of, of sex really is Protestant, modern Protestant Christians, mm-hmm. um, is that it is, primarily about satisfaction and pleasure for right. me, for my spouse, even in the, the, the covenant bonds of marriage, then contraception is something we give no thought to at all, really. It's right. just, it's a tool that helps us achieve that end of self-gratification and self-satisfaction. Uh, and I think that's, you're going to have a hard time making a case biblically that that's what's primary uh, with regard to uh, human sexuality as God designed it. What's primary to it obviously, is the, the uniting of, of two in one flesh, in one union, for the, the God-ordained purpose of procreation, of yeah. being fruitful, uh, filling the earth. So I, I wouldn't lay down, obviously, any, any hard and fast lines here, but I think it certainly deserves far more thought, prayer, and introspection than we have given it in decades as Protestants. Birth control specifically. Uh, yes, birth yeah. control, all, all forms of contraception. Yes, yeah. and simply seeing, because if we're if we're honest about eighty five percent of the way that we think about sex is informed by our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just go, but inside marriage. Yeah. But once once that's said, uh, if you listen carefully and in conversations with friends as we talk, it's largely a secular view. Yeah. Um, of sex, that that it is is all about enjoyment, all about self fulfillment, all about self pleasure. Yeah. Um, and pleasure um, inside the context of, even of marriage, and that's a part of it. Yeah. And that's part of God's goodness. Uh, one of the things that I didn't say in the sermon was, can you uh, imagine? I mean, we're glad that God made um, sexual interaction pleasurable, because if it were if it were say uh, part as part of the fall, like giving birth, right. there would be almost no children anywhere. <laughs> So it's God's good grace that he designed it like he did. But I do think it's time for us to rediscover a more biblically centered view of human sexuality. Yeah. Do you think that that causes issues for, I'm just kind of deviating from the plan a little bit, but like for newlywed couples. So like I, I remember getting directed to like, song of solomon a lot before i got married like yeah it's all about you know you finding pleasure in each other and i think that's true but how do you think this affects you know people newly married when they have a wrong view of this or a oh i think it twisted view yeah i I think it affects newly married people i think it affects married people married christ followers (laughs) who spend years and years and years dealing with guilt and shame and questions about yeah. You know, are they, is something wrong with their marriage or, uh, you know, something wrong with um, who they chose, even though, you know, they've chosen who they've chosen and they're united in Christ. Um, but the, the Bible doesn't lay out any, it doesn't lay out any standard for uh, intensity and frequency of, of sexual interaction within marriage. That's obviously, it's good and it's beautiful and it helps reinforce the union that's, that's there. Mm-hmm. But again... If we, if we understood the pleasure as being 
um, inexorably linked to the potential appropriation, right. I think it would relieve some of the stress and some of the strain that yeah. um, we believe uh, in in marriage around um, the place of sex and what it should or should not be doing. Right. Yeah. Um, so another pivot question, you mentioned Pride Month, and a couple weeks ago you talked about we should respond. This is where you got a little bit more person-to-person kind of thing, but you said we should respond with both compassion and conviction. So this is an opinion question. How do you see Christians responding with compassion and conviction uh, with Pride Month? And it's you said it's a month-long celebration of this quest for personal self-acceptance. So obviously, like, there was a little bit of, like, you know, you see Christians going and marching in pride parades to show love, but how do we balance the so the acceptance and the compassion and the conviction. Yeah. And I just want to say here, as I did in the message, uh, to make sure all my cards are on the table, that <laughs> that phrase I was quoting was from Kevin DeYoung, um, yeah. who had a, a, a great article on uh, very well, well thought out and well written on right. Pride Month, on its history, on what it's trying to do, on what the whole movement by co-opting the word pride yeah. um, is doing there. You know, I would have to say I don't see anything loving about Christians marching in a pride parade. I think that they are, to borrow a phrase from Jab Packer, well, no, this is DeYoung too, um, soft-hearted but muddle-headed. Mm-hmm. And we need to be soft-hearted and clear-minded. Right. Uh, we ha- need to have minds that are that are theologically formed because that leads to truth, and truth and love, can't, truth and love can't be separated from one another. Mm-hmm. So if I'm marching to support an ideology, a lifestyle, a belief system that mm. I know God teaches clearly and consistently throughout his word to be rebellious against him, to mm-hmm. be sin and to be destructive, yeah. not only to those engaging in it, to the, but to the fabric of human society. I don't know what's loving about that. Yeah, I think Christians believe, some will believe that they're being loving, but that's because they're muddle-headed. That's because we have been intellectually lazy for a long, long time as Protestants. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I just don't, and and behind that you'll see many, I mean, there are going to be some who march in the parades, there are going to be some who who wave a rainbow flag or put it up at their homes, but there's going to be significantly more who are posting rainbow things on their social media posts and, sure. and all of that. And at first and foremost, as Christians, we are disciples of Christ. Right. Uh, we are those who have, through God's good grace, um, been called to allegiance to Christ before and above all else. Yeah. And so it's very hard to look around um, at what, you know, go, going all the way back and looking at the history of this in, in modern culture, at, at what the LGBTQ agenda and ideology has brought to the nation yeah. um, and brought to those involved in it, it's very hard to look at that and to find support of that, encouragement of that loving. It certainly would be out of step with all, all of the church throughout history right. and globally as well, uh, primarily, and this is what's significant, um, with Scripture. Yeah. So, I, I, and I don't think, here, here's wh- what I would say. I don't think we show up and we protest that stuff. For sure. 
But I just can't, as a disciple of Jesus, I can't find a way uh, for me to celebrate that. I can't yeah. find a way for me to clap for that. Yeah. Um, because I believe it's destructive to those involved. I believe it's destructive to those looking at it. I believe it's teaching lies yeah. and perpetuating them. So, yeah. And I think if I'm s- sitting with someone at lunch who's uh, in that community, I give them respect and, and love, and I treat them as a human being made in the image of God, one right. for whom Christ died. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean I have to agree yeah. with that. It doesn't mean uh, I'm going to wear uh, Pride Month products. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and at the very basis of this, um, it's just cr- it's very crafty marketing. Yeah. But the consequences of it are huge. Yeah. And it is absolutely government sanctioned and corporate sponsored. And I don't think uh, followers of Jesus, the church, needs to be engaged in it at all. Yeah, there's a little bit of, and I, I sense this from you too. There's just, I I think some of us might be grieving how we thought was the right way to handle this. There's a little bit of, it's almost like a repentance thing. Like, like okay, I, I had an agenda here, and now I have to believe you, Jesus, in turn. You know, yeah. and and trust that as much as I think, I I think we don't believe that Jesus will love someone as much as we will portray to love someone. Like we feel the need to shoulder, um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Like we feel the need to shoulder people's impression of the church and of Jesus and to make them soft hearted to Jesus. But I like, I forget that's the Holy Spirit's job. It is. To soften people. And it is my job to be in step with the spirit. And if I think I love people who struggle with this, how much more does Jesus Mm -hmm. love them? You know, and to trust his way, is actually to love them well and it feels so it feels wrong in the moment but then when you just sit with the lord it's like trust me trust me or don't but trust me because i love them more than you do yeah no you're absolutely right and it feels wrong because um especially and i think the younger you are the more this is just the water you've swam in all your life yes so it's very hard to start to start differentiating um, that from the truth. But it feels so wrong because you've been sold a lie. We've been sold the lie that to love and to show compassion and to represent the church well, you've got to affirm them. And and the, the subtle nuance there is what we hear is we need to affirm them as human beings. Yeah. But what they're saying is you need to affirm their choices and behavior and their worldview. And so we're, we're really looking through two different lenses, but they are far more shrewd than we are. And I hate to use the they, we right. language. But when, it, when I say they, I'm not talking about, again, our neighbor, our coworker, our family member. I'm talking about the activists. The agenda. The agenda. Those behind this, the professors, the, the media heads, those that are behind the advocacy and the activism and the ideology of this are far shrewder than yeah. most Christians are. They're spending far more time thinking about it. Yeah. They're spending far more time um, thinking about how to normalize it. Yeah. And so I think Christians just run around uh, almost like uh, little cockroaches trapped in a ball, confused, <laughs> running into the walls all the time, yeah. instead of stepping back and saying, yes, we can trust God. Yeah. We can trust God. We don't have to defend his word. We just need to let it loose. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit will do what the Holy Spirit does I'm with it. But I, yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. That I do think there are a lot of Christians who, whose motives here have been right, but I think they've bought into something yeah. um, 
that is contrary to, to God's design and God's will. Well, because you reach that point where you can't connect the two. Like you try to be the, the, the stopgap or the thing that stands in between Christ and the activism, and then you realize that I, this is too big for me, and I cannot step in the middle of this anymore. Yes. Um, yep. So, yeah. Okay, so my final question. Is there anything that you would like to say within the next few minutes that you didn't get to say about this series? Um, just another little thing. Yeah, thank you for asking. There's there's so much yeah. that, <laughs> that I would love to say. I'd like to do a couple of things. I really want to encourage uh, those listening, particularly in our church, to go to the bookstore and to look at some of the resources that yep. we have, very good resources, ample resources on uh, the topics of gender and marriage yeah. and sexuality. Read the backs of them, look at the table of contents, uh, buy some and read them. Mm-hmm. We cannot afford to be ill-equipped mm-hmm. in this arena right now. Yeah, It is our time as a church in human history, and this is um, what we've been dealt. And we need to be able to think biblically and theologically with clarity, again, with clear minds and soft hearts mm-hmm. so that we can love people well uh, while being able to think clearly Uh, being informed by God's truth in Scripture. So I want to encourage people to do that, and especially if you have a family member, if you have uh, a son, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter, a sibling, um, whatever the case is, or maybe a close friend, a co-worker that is dealing with one of these issues, if you you really want to be helpful and thoughtful to them, go look at these resources. Right. and find some that you think are going to be helpful and just work your way, work your way through them. They're not difficult reads, but God has given, God has given us these men and women. And we've talked about this uh, before yeah. as a, um, yeah, as guiding voices yeah. through this and they, they're, they're great and helpful. So I would say that uh, second, I, I wish I had had more time to touch on singleness uh, mm-hmm. because I think we've done a terrible job in general with singleness uh, in the church uh, the modern church as treating singles as it's sort of like a, a less appealing option to marriage. Right. If for some reason marriage, there are, are really viable specific reasons to be single. Um, and still most people who are single in the church are, are not single by their choosing. Right. And yet um, the Bible does so much, especially the new Testament to elevate singleness. Right. And the the question is not, um, are you married? But are are we being faithful to God and faithful to what God teaches us with regard to our sexuality, our gender identity, and all of that, whether we find ourselves single or married? So mm-hmm. faithful singleness, faithful marriage. And I wish I could have addressed that more. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Yawn in Human Sexuality, or Holy Sexuality, I'm sorry, Holy Sexuality, does a great, great job. He has two chapters on singleness. Sam Alberry uh, has a book out on singleness that's available in the bookstore. It's really very good. Mm-hmm. And so I wish I had been able to to speak more about that yeah. because I think it's a significant issue. And I think it's one where people battle um, believing a lot of lies Yeah, uh, about that. Um, one thing, and I'm not sure if we said this, I just say this last, that I'm not sure if we said it in a previous podcast. So if we did, we'll just reinforce it here. If we didn't, okay. we'll present it. But the other side of the Cohen... <laughs> on hey texas <laughs> yeah yeah on um voices like yawn and gilson um mclaughlin 
Jackie Hill Perry, uh, Sam Alberry, and others. So there's there's one side in which they they are really guiding voices of truth mm-hmm. that God has gifted his church with to, to help us through this. The other side of that is they remove the excuse yeah. for those in our churches who are experiencing same-sex attraction, maybe experiencing uh, issues of gender confusion or uncertainty, remove the excuse that they might be tempted to have, or maybe the argument that they might be tempted to make, but but you don't understand my situation, but right. my thing is unique, but I don't know how to follow Christ and be faithful here Mm-hmm. given this this plethora of growing voices that god has given removes right. that and in a sense increases uh the accountability and the seriousness of those yep. in the church because god is giving us shining examples right in front of us mm-hmm. of how it is that we go about doing this yeah and so i think it's very important that um, we put them before the church that we encourage those around us and that we all remember in the end Regardless of what anyone struggles with, we all need the same thing. We need all of Jesus for all of who we are. Yeah. Period. Yeah. All of us experience temptation. All of us have to wrestle with it, say no to it for the glory of God, for the good of our community. Um, All of us need Jesus to heal us in deep places. All of us, again, to reach back and pull that phrase from Gilson. All of us need um, the Word of God, the people of God, the Spirit of God to help mm-hmm. us navigate these these tender places. Yeah. Um, and I could go on and on, but I think that's probably enough. That's a great place to stop. Um, that's a wrap for us. If you enjoyed today's conversation, share it with a friend so they can join us as we unpack more topics next week. We'll be back in the book of Luke. We love you guys and have a great day. Mm-hmm.